Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Anfield Index listeners, my name is Joe Connors and this is another Legends podcast. Today we are going to talk all things Mr. Thierry Henry. One of the reasons I love doing this podcast is we don't just have to talk about Liverpool. Now we were supposed to have two guests today. Um, One of them unfortunately got called into work, but no big deal. My other guest is, I've been itching to have him on. He's a big Arsenal fan, has one of my favorite, if not my, definitely my favorite, uh, tactics podcast. Um, I'll let you talk. Let him tell you guys all about that. How you doing, Mr. Stevie Grieve? I'm good, thanks. And uh, thank you for the kind words about my podcast on World Football Index, which I haven't actually done many of in the recent past because um, I'm a bit swamped with my coaching job. So um, hopefully we'll have some out in the future. But it's a pleasure to be on this one. Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, Stevie is a, a coach. Um, he can talk about that later anytime he wants. Um, and again, just to pick his brain, you can listen to the podcast. It's, it's fantastic. So today we're going to talk about Thierry Henry. Like I said, Stevie's a big Arsenal fan. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, it's actually 9 a.m. Stevie and I are both in the same time zone, which is awesome. So Stevie, talk to me about Thierry Henry's early club career, his Monaco time. I think, um, when he broke through, he was one of the, the young generation of French players who, Obviously, went on to win the World Cup in '98 and then Euro 2000. But that team was a team filled with with strength, with speed, with technique, and then obviously they had not maybe a breakthrough player in Zidane, but a guy who was a leader in terms of the technical work, the way that they could create chances. And Thierry Henry was one of the young players who who would give them a goal threat, who would stretch the game, who would play not in a raw manner, but you could see there was huge potential. Sometimes he would, like any young player, make maybe rash decisions or he would he would be too quick with the ball and he would maybe lose control of it and things like that. But you could see early on from the Monaco, um, I remember St Johnston playing against Monaco in 1998 and I think Trezeguet, Henri, Barthez all played in the same team and St Johnston drew 3-3 with him. But you had this kid who was lightning fast 
technically outstanding and, and positionally very mature who I think evolved from being a, a pacey wide man on the left hand side to one of the best strikers of his generation yeah, that's an interesting thing because, uh, I mean, a lot of people, Arsenal fans may not may know, but a lot of people don't know that his Monaco career was with uh, Wenger, who obviously later signed him up for Arsenal. But he, you made a good point there. He started on the wing, and even though Wenger played him there, he always saw him as a future striker, which is really interesting. Obviously, the goals he scored in his career, the amount of goals he ended up scoring in his career was very impressive. So he has a pretty damn good Monaco career. He was, I believe, French young player, French young player of the year in '96. Um, puts in solid performances in League One. I believe they won the title that year. But he doesn't stay very. I mean, he's there from, from what '92 to '99, so he's with the youth team as well. But he leaves for Juventus. And what happens? I think from. I mean, I was only about ten at the time, but I, I remember briefly seeing him for about five months because uh, I always watched Italian football which I think on every other podcast I'm on about like Italian football was my thing as a kid and I remember him going from Monaco to Juventus and being played as a left wing back and I remember watching him going he's a terrible player because at 10 years old you don't equate style of play player profile and a guy who's a left forward playing left wing back you just go from oh now he's rubbish because he plays the higher level because you don't understand but I think six months later he joins Arsenal for like the same price that he joined Juventus for and you could see he plays in a, a different position and looks a better player now when you go from any league in the world to Italy I think it's a bigger adapt- adaptation than any other league in, in Europe because it's so disciplined, it's so tactical. Every player must know their role inside out. They must be able to do everything within their role. And if they can't do the defensive work, they'll be exposed because every player uh, understands how to exploit the weakness of the opponent, which is why the league has always been strong. And you see when, I mean, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was, was the top scorer in Italy, and for me, like if you're the the player who scores the most goals in Italy, you must be a good player. Um, apart from Chiro Immobile, obviously. So, <laughs> when who's brutal for Dortmund, but yes, that's a different was. story. So you see a guy like Thierry Henry struggling in Juventus, but when he goes to a different league, he becomes a better player. A lot of Spanish players, incidentally, I think, struggle um, when they go to certain Italian teams. So. I think it's not a, an indictment of the player that they failed in Italy. It's just that that's an incredibly difficult league to play in. And maybe his profile was much more suited to the more open, more direct, more box-to-box Premier League. So do you think if he... It, was, it seems like it was probably the wrong move at the time, and, and he would have never known that. But do you think that would have been a different outcome had he moved, I don't know, maybe a few years later? I know he was with Arsenal for a very long time. But would his career would have been different if he would have moved to Juventus at a different time? I mean, if he'd played at left wing back for the next three years, we wouldn't have seen the Terry O'Neill that we see today. He would still have been a very good player, but he might have been wasted because clearly the guy, the guy had so much talent at scoring, so much talent at front and a defender up, getting him flat and then going either way and then being able to score. And you could see the amount of amount of goals. Even I remember when he came back from almost retiring in the MLS, the goal he scored against Leeds when he comes on for the last 10 minutes and he fakes the defender, opens him up and then scores. And you're going, we've not seen this for a few years, but that's Thierry Henry. If he'd played in Italy as a left wing back, 
would we have seen that so often? Like that became almost a trademark. I don't, I don't think we would have done. So I think it, it must have been a, a very mature decision to go to Italy in the first place, mm-hmm. but a similarly mature decision for such a young player, because I think he must have only been about maybe 20 at the time, to go and leave after six months because there may be a recognition of this isn't working for me and I can go back and play for the boss who knows what I'm about. Yeah, I give him a lot of credit for that. Most young players don't take that kind of chance. I mean, you see it a little bit now. I can't remember the kid uh, who uh, was in the championships who ended up moving to uh, uh, RB Leipzig, but I can't remember his name. I think it was RB Leipzig, but I give k- kids like that a lot of credit because it's a lot to leave your country and to move into another country. It, you know, Steve, you lived in a lot of different places. I know you coached in India, which is vastly different from anywhere in the world. But that's a big thing, so I do give him a lot of credit for that. So it doesn't work out very well at Juventus, and he makes a great choice. He goes to Arsenal. He goes to reunite with his former manager, R.C. Wenger. And he replaces, kind of basically replaces Nicholas Anelka, if my memory is correct. Let's talk about his Arsenal career, because there's a lot to talk about. Was would he, been, would he have been the player he turned into without Wenger, or was He's just that good. It probably doesn't matter who's the coach there. It's a different league and more suited to him. I, I think that he was he was like an elk in the sense that that league, the English Premier League, completely suited his profile. Rapid pace. In the Premier League, there's so much space. I mean, if you look back at games from 20 years ago and you look at it now, there's so much more space across every league in Europe because the game is, in my opinion, less tactically sophisticated and players are less athletic, which is something that obviously Arsene Wenger prioritised 20 years ago. Uh, and when we saw players like Anelka breaking through and Henri, the thing that separated them was the raw pace and athleticism. They were technically good, but they were so much quicker. Michael Owen broke through at the same time. Mm-hmm. Raw pace, nowhere near as technically gifted, but a decent enough finisher. And I think... The biggest thing with Thierry Henry was when Arsene Wenger already managed him as a young player, he knew his strengths, he knew his personality, he knew his qualities that he could bring to the team. But if you're going to take a long-term view on a player's development, do you throw them straight into the position that you want them to play in and give them time to adapt, like what Henry had with Arsene Wenger? Or do you have this situation with Anthony Martial, who wants to be a striker but who's been shoved out into the left wing? for most of his young career, when it, when you see him playing for Monaco, see him playing for Man United, he wants to be a number nine, but he's been forced out to play in, as a left winger. If he had a manager like Wenger, Wenger 20 years ago, who just said, right, you're going to be my striker, you're going to get a run of 30 games, and it might take you 10 games to get into it, like what happened to Thierry Henry, maybe that 10 or 15 game adaptation period is what he needs for that league, for that style of play, for those teammates that he has, to then be able to get himself into goal-scoring positions. And I think there are a lot of young players who now need that, which is what Thierry Henry had when he joined Arsenal. And I think initially he struggled, but then I think he scored one goal in a cup. And then from then on, I think he was scoring almost every game for a few months. And then it was like, whoa, this guy is really good. And then I think maybe the year after, I think he did the one against Barthez where he's chipped it, spun and volleyed it in the top corner. Mm-hmm. And from then on, you go... Yeah, this guy's a player. So I think having having Arsene Wenger as the coach probably helped accelerate the process of him becoming a really, really good player as opposed to somebody who might have tried to blend him in and out of the team and played him as a winger like he used to do and try to get the best out of him. I think Wenger, having had the background information on him, helped his development more than anybody else could have done. 
Yeah, I think that can't be underestimated because it, you brought up a good point about Martial. I think with a different manager, and I'm, and I'm not knocking Jose Mourinho because he's won a lot, but he seems to ruin a lot of people's, and I guess a lot of managers do, a lot of people, a lot of players' careers because they stick them places they don't want to be, and it's it's they're so rigid in their ways, they're not willing to you know, adapt to a player's strength, and you see that it's just a shame, but you see it a lot. So at Arsenal, like you said, he was he just became a machine. He was just a great player. Is he? Do you think he's Arsenal's greatest player ever? Uh, I put you right on the spot there. Best player ever? I mean, I'm only 30, so I can How about, how about modern? On, Why don't we do modern? I mean, certain, certainly in the modern era between Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp. Um, okay. I mean, every Arsenal shirt I have has Bergkamp on it. Bergkamp was uh, somebody who probably shouldn't have been a footballer because he wasn't the fastest. But is, I mean, he's the sort of guy who would make any player look better. Thierry Henry benefited so much because of playing beside Dennis Bergkamp. Bergkamp mm-hmm. dropping off, unmarked, turning him in the ball. Somebody comes out to press Bergkamp, he releases Thierry Henry. I mean, I, again, even Thierry Henry benefited so much because of playing with Robert Pires, who would drift inside and leave the space behind the fullback for Thierry Henry to run into, and then that would release him and he'd score so many goals coming in from the left. So Thierry Henry was, as much as he was a phenomenal player and arguably Arsenal's most talented or best modern-day player, he also benefited from having some unbelievable teammates because you look in the right-hand side, you've got two workers, Ray Parler or Freddie Jungberg, and in midfield you have Vieira and Petit or Edu. So the players he played with, I think, helped make him look better. But when you see him, when you go through the clips, he was one of the best highlight reels, I think. For me, it's always hard for me to always to say better than Bergkamp, but, I mean, that argument could always be there. Okay. So you talked about the amount of talent on those teams. I mean, those are, some of those Arsenal teams were fantastic. Do you think that they won enough compared to with, with the talent they had on the team? I think when you look at that era, the Man United team um, and the money they spent and the players they brought in and having Alex Ferguson, they they could have won more. I mean, you also have to look at that era and go, right, between 98 and 2002, Real Madrid won three Champions Leagues. And between 2003 and 2007, you had probably the, it's hard to say, but the best AC Milan team since Arrigo Saki's team from 89-90-92. So you had the best generation of Italian football up until about 2007. You had the emergence of Barcelona between 2006 and 2009. Thierry Henry's team in 2003, you still had Milan and Juventus who were exceptional, plus Man United, plus Barcelona and Real Madrid were still phenomenal. Bayern Munich were also phenomenal. So I think at that time there were so many really, really strong, outstanding candidates to win, say, the Champions League, mm-hmm. that you could argue that they could have won more or should have won more given the strength that they had, but European football at that time, it's not like just now where you could point out it will be one of three winners or one of four winners. At that time, you could have had two or three from Syria, two or three from England, two or three from Germany, even a couple of teams from, from France and obviously two big Spanish teams. That era, there were so many big teams and everybody could be everybody. I think it was more unpredictable then than what it is now. So I think that they should have done better, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But they also had the competition of uh, new money coming through from Chelsea in 2005 when, when Mourinho turned up and then obviously Liverpool were quite good. So 
Yeah, you, we could always make the argument that under Arsene Wenger, Arsenal should have won so much more. But at the time, we also have to look back and say look, some of the teams in Europe at that time were unbelievable. Yeah, it's a very good point. And for, as far as Wenger's concerned, I'm, I'm a massive RC Wenger fan. I think he's, I know what he's done now, and he's been there for, I believe, 22 years now, but he's done so much for that club. Um, maybe some people will say it's time for him to move on. I don't necessarily agree with that because I still think he's got it. Um, I still think he's a fantastic manager. But are there any games, matches during his that time that kind of sit with you and maybe a Champions League match or an FA Cup match that you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, man, if this just would have been different, this whole season could have been different. We could have been champions. Or Any, any games or matches like that that stand out to you? I mean, looking back, uh, again, you know, it's... 15 years ago I would have been 15 so between 15 and 20 years old I, I can't remember a game that stands out where, where I feel like we should have done better or, or it was a failure the, the one I always look to would be the Champions League final where um, Jens Lehmann gets sent off and Almunia has to go and go which is already like a big disadvantage and then you have to take off somebody so the, I, th- I would say the 2006 Champions League final would be a, a sense of disappointment but between Cesc Fabregas and Thierry Henry, they dragged the whole team to the final to yeah. get them in that position. And then you come up against Ronaldinho and Henrik Larsson, who who comes on as a sub and changes the game. Uh, Arsenal didn't have that at the time, but you look at maybe the team in 2003, who obviously went the whole season unbeaten. They had the potential, that team, I think, to win the Champions League. But you look at the, the quality throughout Europe. AC Milan and Juventus, I think, got to the final and played against each other where... That could have been Arsenal, but it's hard to say, you put your finger on one game, you say, oh, we should have done better, because as an Arsenal supporter, there are so many times where a game has been lost in March or April that should never have been lost, which has led to not winning the league or um, not progressing past the quarterfinal or the semi-final of the Champions League when it was there for the taking. So it's hard to say one game, but when you look at all the things Thierry Henry done, I think Thierry Henry dragged a team who could have been just a normal, ordinary top three, top four team to a really, really special team because some of the goals he was scoring, I remember, was one where the ball's bouncing, he takes on the chest, he runs, it kind of bounces a little bit and then from about 30 yards he just battles it in the top corner like it's the easiest thing to do and then obviously the one against Tottenham where he's taken from the halfway line, Van Nistelrooy scored a similar one in the same week where they both run from the halfway line, go past three or four people, keep going and then just score and it's like... It was almost at that time like uh, a match of the day highlight reel of what did Thierry Henry do this week. Uh, at that period of time, I mean, the guy dragged Arsenal into one of the super clubs in Europe and unfortunately never won the Champions League, but took the team to a new level. Yeah, he's um, he, he's one of my favourite players ever. I'm a Liverpool fan, as you know, but that 06 final, I was rooting for them and I know they lost, I think it was 2-1 to one to Barcelona. It was a tough loss that they could have, like you said, they could have easily won that game, and it's a little weird because it, he, I, I thought he was going to sign. A, I mean, maybe he did. He accepted the contract there, and then he gets sold to Barcelona. Talk to me about what happened there. Did you think he was going to stay past that? I think he was similar to Patrick Vieira at the time, where they'd possibly got to a stage where they were bored of playing in the Premier League. 
Um, and Barcelona at that time, you could see were emerging. I mean, earlier on you spoke about Mourinho ruining players, which I would completely disagree with. I think he just he knows he wants mature players. Lee Van Hal has had a previous experience of ruining somebody like Juan Roman Riquelme. Yeah, when he went, point. when he when he went to Barcelona, it was like he's outgrown Arsenal. The team are dropping off. They're building a new stadium. Financially, they're not there. Arsenal are in a position where with one year left in your contract, you take money for Vieira, you take money for Henri, you reinvest it, you've got a lot of young guys coming through, you can rebuild with some some level of security, knowing that you've got players to come through. And when he left to go to Barcelona, it was like, that was basically like him saying, I want to win the Champions League before I finish. And to do that, I have to go to Barcelona and I have to play in this style of play and I want to try something else. And you look at the decision that Thierry Henry made and Patrick Vieira made, and they went away and were massively successful in other leagues. So you could say that their decisions to leave Arsenal at that time were were completely justified because the best players want to win things. And at that time, it was clear that Arsenal were going to drop off and weren't going to win things. And for the stage of Thierry Henry's career that he was at, for him to continue to be a champion, he had to leave. Uh, and you could see as an Arsenal supporter for maybe the, the year 18 months before it that there was all, enough chat about it online, you could see, or mm-hmm. um, on teletext, which we had in Britain at the time. Um, Henri and Vieira were always being linked with moves. They were the two best players, and there had to come a point for him where he had to leave. And I think most Arsenal supporters understood that the time was going to come where he would leave and we'd have to go down a different route. Yeah, it's a, that's, that's a good way to look at it. Do you think his time at Barcelona was fulfilled for him? I, I mean, it's hard to say. I, what, what is a sense of fulfilment for the best players? Winning the league, winning the Champions League, being the top mm-hmm. goal scorer, things like that. I think when you when you listen to Thierry Henry's interviews now, that he's, he's more happy that he got to play with Messi. Yeah, it seems that way. Than any trophy one. Like, because the amount of times where somebody will say, right, okay, Pep used to say this, and he would look at this game, and it was like, right, this completely makes the game easy and understandable, and I understand why he thinks like that, and all these things. So I think for him that that must have been maybe the preparation to be a coach, because apparently he's a very good coach now, that mm. he gets to, to learn from Pep Guardiola at the time, um, learn a completely different, more methodical style of playing than what he had at Arsenal, but something which is going to help him for the rest of his career. But I always look at his interviews now when you hear him speaking and the happiness when he speaks about playing with Messi, when Messi's 17, 18, 19 years old, and he's like, my God, like I played with all these great players, but Messi is not even human. And when you look at it, I think the sense of fulfilment of leaving Arsenal to go to Barcelona might be not so much trophies, but more the experience with Guardiola and Messi than anything else. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I, I, if I was a high, a top level football, top level footballer, to play with Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo would be quite an amazing thing. Just to see them out on a pitch doing the things that they can do, and not many, well, basically nobody else right now on the planet can do. Do you think Pep Guardiola was a good influence on his career? I think Pep Guardiola was probably a good influence on everybody's career, whether you work with him directly or indirectly, because of the way he's tried to change football. And I think when you 
much. It's funny when you see Thierry Henry on Monday Night Football and they ask him about Guardiola's system and you can see that he's trying to keep it as simple as possible to show the viewer so it's digestible. There are so many layers to that. If Thierry Henry sat in meetings with Guardiola and you can see that he has access to him so he can go and learn and watch and see and do and understand everything that of, of Guardiola's system of play, he must have learned so much within that short space of time before he went to New York where Pep Guardiola have been a, a definite positive influence in his career even though he didn't play him as a centre forward and even though he didn't let him just do what he wanted he gave him a role on the left hand side and said right you fulfil this role this is the plan you must score goals within this area and I think in one year um, all of the front three got like 25-30 goals each so I think I think in different ways it would have been a really positive experience Maybe less so in terms of Thierry Henry's own view of where he would have played, which would have been as a centre-forward who was free, rather than as a left-winger who had to stay right out and then come in at the last second. So I think it would have given him a different perspective on coaching and training and thinking about the game that, than what he would have had if he'd just stayed at Arsenal for another four or five years. Yeah, and in hindsight, it probably ended up being the greatest thing for him because he wants to be a coach. And like you said, I believe he's with... Uh... Belgian's national team now, and for all intents and purposes, he's. I know um, one of our players, Divac Origi, said he's helped him immensely. Um, might not show right away, but he showed. He's trying to show him how to be a proper striker. And Guardiola, for me, I, I bow at his altar. I'm a gigantic fan, and I know people. He has his detractors, but I'm a, I'm a giant Pep fan. So he goes to. I mean, I wasn't going to originally talk about this, but he does spend. I think it was four or five years at the New York Red Bulls. I'm not a particular big MLS fan, even though I'm American, and I do have my own hometown team I'm in Philadelphia. Uh, I've been to many union games. They're fun, uh, but it's way, way different than watching top-level football. How do you feel about his time at New York Red Bulls? Do you think that was a good move for him or uh, a money thing, or just he still wanted to play football and he had a little bit left in him? I think it's more a lifestyle thing because um, people forget footballers are people. And they have lives and have things that they want to do. And New York is a great place to live. And I think yes, there maybe comes a point where you go, um, I'm from Paris. I lived in Monaco. I lived in Turin. I lived in London. I lived in Barcelona. Maybe it's time to just try something else. Maybe you didn't want to live in Germany. Maybe we didn't want to go back to Italy. Maybe you didn't want to go back to France. Maybe Portugal was too much of a sidestep. So let's try the MLS. Because I think that when you've played for Arsenal for so long or when you've played for Barcelona for so long, you've made money. So I don't think players at that level make decisions based on money. I think that they go because it's a different life experience or they feel like they want to go and try and help something. Maybe if he goes to the MLS, he has a similar impact to Beckham where it just puts eyes and exposure on the league and New York is the right fit for it. Um, I mean, I remember speaking to Stephen Caldwell on a plane once and he was saying that when he played for Toronto FC if he was going to be traded it would only be to a certain bunch of teams because of where he wanted to live and I think Thierry Henry if you said to him go and play for Columbus he'd probably have said no or go and play for Real Salt Lake no I mean there might only be an LA Galaxy or New York from a, a place to live standpoint whereas we saw guys like Jermaine Defoe go to Toronto FC and then come back because of various reasons so I don't think it was 
on football basis that he thought, yeah, I'd love to go and win the MLS. I think it was more of a, a lifestyle choice of let's go and see what it's like to live in New York, to go and try and play in a different country again and have a different life experience. Because I think the money at, at that point in time for a guy like him is inconsequential. He doesn't seem like the sort of guy motivated by money. He's not a, a mercenary Brazilian player who, who's just going around picking up pay packets and getting his agent to talk to the press to get a wage rise and things like that. So I think that it was more of a, a personal decision of let's go and live in New York and oh they have a team so let's go and play for them yeah it's, I kind of agree I mean, New York City for me I've lived um, no, I have not traveled as much as you have lived but I've lived in New York City I have a house there now uh, it's my favorite place ever to live um, so I don't blame him for doing that and he, he had a huge impact on that an impact on that league he was very good there uh, and the New York Red Bulls were very competitive during his five years there so Obviously, he's one of the greatest ever. Um, it's not debatable, but is he the greatest Premier League player ever, in your opinion? There's a lot to choose from, obviously. I mean, like I said earlier on, like modern times, I, for me, it's always hard to argue with Dennis Bergkamp. But in terms of in terms of how good he was as a striker, I don't think there's anybody better who's played as a centre forward, as a pure centre forward in the Premier League. Um, in the last in, since, since 1992 if you're going to go the whole Premier League duration I think Thierry Henry almost redefined the role before you had Shearer big strong target man led the line well would score from headers score volleys do everything else but if you asked him to drop deep and link the play and make assists and stuff like that he could do it but that wasn't his game. Van Nistelrooy was like that. Michael Owen would never score from outside the box. They all played in a very similar style. Thierry Henry, I think, redefined the role of a centre-forward by the way he played, by drifted wide, cutting inside, making different runs from different starting positions, not always off the shoulder, sometimes from wide running diagonal, some from the centre running diagonally, sometimes getting the ball and just running through an opponent. So in terms of his impact as... Uh, a player who maybe helped change the way the game is, is analysed, how the game is coached, how we set up a team, the problems that we face as coaches defensively. I think Thierry only had a bigger impact um, in terms of his role as the centre forward than what any other striker has in the Premier League. Yeah, I would agree with that. He, I've always said, people people ask me that question. In America, I know it's a little bit different. We love to debate player for player. Um, from what I gather from Twitter, nobody likes to compare players. And when you do that, they sort of make fun of you. I guess it's just a, a different culture, which is fine. But I've always said him or Bergkamp are my two best ever, too. And, it's a, and that's a Liverpool fan saying that who hates Arsenal. But um, you, you got you got to call a spade a spade. So, so the one other thing I wanted to touch on is his international career. He won the World Cup in 98 and was runner-up in 2006. Um, I two two-part question for you. It's, I mean, he really kind of fulfilled, I guess, his obligation. I mean, they won the World Cup. They got, did they win it? Could they have won it three times? I think he was there in 98, 2002, and 06. And is he, in your eyes, the best? I know, and it's probably hard. Is he, be, is he the best French international ever? And there's a lot to choose from. I, I know there's Zidane. I know there's Michel Platini and various other good ones. Yeah, I, th- I mean... I'm not French, so it's hard for me. But based on on things I've known about in the past, Michel Platini will be hard to look past as possibly the best French player ever. But Mm -hmm. in the modern era, you have 
obviously Zidane. Thierry Henry was exceptional. I mean, for me, Zidane is the best, the best French player I've ever seen. I mean, for for a long, long time, I didn't think that we would see a player better than Zidane and Ronaldinho. And now we have Messi and Ronaldo. And in the next generation, we're going to have um, Paulo Dybala and Neymar. So there are always going to be two or three players of a generation. I think Thierry Henry was exceptional. But as you can probably tell from the players I've chosen, like Dennis Bergkamp, um, Zinedine Zidane, I like a player who is the link player. So that's my own preference. You will have people who whose favourite players are always the, the big striker or the fast striker that scores millions of goals, so therefore Thierry Henry and Ronaldo and that. Well, they will always be the best because they're the guys that do the hardest thing put the ball in the net. So for me, like I think he is arguably the best. But in my opinion, like Zidane, Zidane was untouchable. I could sit and watch videos of Dan, Zidane all day. The, the, ball, the, the way that he looked like a ballerina, the balance, the movement, everything else. Is, again, Zidane... And Thierry Henry dragged that team to a level which it probably wouldn't have reached without them. And you saw in the 2002 World Cup, Zidane pulls his thigh playing in a friendly about two weeks before it. And France are not anywhere near as good when he's not there. He turns up for the third game and he's no fit, but he makes the team so much better. So I think, again, I think Thierry Henry was an unbelievable player, but was helped by similarly very, very good players around him making his job a little bit easier because there will be games where he's not going to see anything of the ball and somebody's going to do something ridiculous and he's going to profit from it. So um, I know this is us to speak about how good Thierry Henry was a player as a legend and undoubtedly he is a legend. And sure. if we look at if we look at the goal that he scored against Sparta Prague to break uh, Cliff Baston's scoring record, mm-hmm. that is the goal of a, a genuine top-level legendary striker. Yeah, no question. I, he's just, he was majestic to watch. He really was. And he's so long and lanky. And uh, the one thing I wanted to ask about is, is a lot of people probably listening to this pod didn't really see Thierry Henry at his peak. They probably saw him just at the Red Bulls. So what kind of, what kind of style, what kind of player was he for Arsenal, for Barcelona? Like, you don't have to compare him to anybody necessarily, but what was his style of play coming from a coach's mouth? He was he was somebody who would try and stretch the game, somebody who would try and run behind, somebody who would try and push the defensive line back, which um, if they don't drop off, then he gets the ball behind the defence and you're not catching them. So he played to his strengths. His strengths were blistering pace. Um he had a secondary strength where if he got a defender 1v1, he was skillful enough that he would be able to take it by them by one or two steps and then just bend the ball in the corner. You saw as he got older, his finishing um, improved. You, you would never say he was a one-dimensional finisher because he could do everything. He could dribble, he could cut it on the run, he could chip the goalie, he could volley, he could do literally everything. Um, but when you see him now, there's nobody like him now. You don't have a striker anywhere in the world who's 6'3", 6'4" who is blisteringly quick, who can receive the ball from any angle, get it under control and do what he wants with it in an instant. Um, In that sense, you have Zlatan, who doesn't have the pace, Mm -hmm. who had a similar type of profile. Zlatan's maybe a bit more individualistic, but Thierry Henry was one of these players who, if you you put him on the left-hand side, 
he would score because you wouldn't be able to pick him up, he'd run behind you. If you play him as a centre-forward, he'd drift to the left-hand side behind the full-back when they go to press and then you'd release him. And, or if somebody was trying to make, uh, let's say, a 45-50 metre pass from their own half, he would be able to anticipate that that player wants to play that because that's the only solution you have and he'll be on the end of it. I mean, the amount of passes that Cesc Fabregas gave to him just by rolling it in the little gaps. And I remember... Um, Remember, that time Arsenal were a team who were so fast on the counter-attack that they would play possession most of the time. they play kind of free-form. But then if they sat and defended or they defended a corner, Thierry Henry would be the most dangerous guy in the pitch when they were defending a corner because if they won it, he was gone. And remember uh, one goal against Blackburn where Fabregas and Henry have, have moved the ball up the field enough and Fabregas has just given it to him about 35 yards from goal. And there's nothing on, so he just puts it in the top corner from the left-hand side, and you're like, there's no need in that, Thierry. There's no need for you to just put the ball in the net there. You've basically just humiliated footballers across the world by being able to do that. Behave yourself. He was just... Just now when you watch Arsenal, there's always a little bit of nervousness because you're not sure if you're going to win if you go 1-0 yeah. down. You're hoping Ozil or Sanchez do something. You're hoping that Danny Welbeck or Aaron Ramsey don't miss a sitter. You're hoping that something will happen. Back then, you didn't hope. You knew something would happen. Thierry Henry would run behind, he'd score a goal, he'd terrify the opponent. And as an Arsenal fan, there was always a, a, a self-confidence of, yeah, we're going to win because he will do something that nobody else in the world could do at that time. Yeah, he was a, he's a game changer. And not many, not many teams, nobody has somebody, not many teams have a game changer like that now. But... Um, the one guy I wanted to bring up because the, the press loves to do this. Does he remind you of Kylian Mbappe? Uh, I mean, I think that that's is possibly slightly lazy. Actually, yeah, just the media, so. the media just want to go. Oh, he's like this guy. Like you hear the new Maradona until Messi comes up. When do yeah. we start hearing about the new Messi? I, I think it's unfair for the press to compare him to, but it's easy for the the tabloid reader to go, oh, he's the new Thierry Henry because they've never actually watched him. So, Kylian Mbappe is a young player who's very fast, very skillful, very good at scoring goals. Similar to Thierry Henry in that age. Possibly, um, I mean, if you look at his record up until December, he hadn't actually done much. I think he'd scored like four goals. So, in the last six months, he's kind of exploded. Um, Thierry Henry was a bit more established, you could say, up until that point because he'd maybe played more games but um, maybe Kylian Mbappe could become like Thierry Henry but I don't think that there will be another Thierry Henry Kylian Mbappe I think is maybe 5 foot 10 at the most 5 11 yeah, yeah he's much shorter so Thierry Henry at 6 foot 3 6 foot 4 has got a completely different stature different stride length different uh, method of acceleration whereas Mbappe's got a better centre of gravity because he's slightly shorter although Thierry Henry's balance was, was frightening so there are similarities between them because they're both young both French both played for Monaco both rapid both scored goals but they are incredibly different because of their physical profiles Good I wanted to clear that up because I see that that Twitter comparison too many times and I wanted to make sure it was my eyes too that just doesn't agree with it but we're going to do a quiz but before we do that short quiz and it's fun it's nothing where you had to prepare for but is there anything else you wanted to talk about Henri before we get to that? No, I just think um, if there's any young people watching who've actually not 
watch much of Thierry and Regal, go online because some of the stuff he does is just ridiculous. I, I coach an under-16 team here in Canada and I was telling the right-back who might now play centre midfield um, to go and watch videos of Cafu. I was telling one of the strikers to watch videos of Thierry Henry because these players fit their profile and I think that you know, people now have got such access to watching older players that we didn't have. Like if we wanted to go and watch Zico or Maradona, access was limited because the games weren't so so filmed so much and the access to them was obviously limited. So young kids now can go and find out about the players of the recent past and spend as much time as they want studying and watching them and learning from them. And I think I would I would encourage any kid who's maybe a striker or a winger to sit and just watch videos of Thierry Henry's movement. Okay. Yeah, see, that's this is the kind of coach stuff that you wouldn't get anywhere else, guys. He, this guy knows his stuff. So, And one more thing. Um, I, I, cause I, I Just because I'm really curious, I would love to hear real quickly your all-time 11 team. Coming from, again, a guy who coaches the sport. Um, a goalie? I'm just going to, like, I have a friend called Stephen McDougall, who's a big Rangers supporter, and so I'm going to put Andy Gorham in for Stephen and my dad, because they're big Rangers okay. supporters. Um, okay. Maybe maybe you've not heard of Andy Gorham, but he was a very good goalkeeper. Um, my fullbacks are going to be Roberto Carlos and Cafu. Centre-backs will be Maldini and Yap Stam. As you can tell, they're all fantastic players. Make you see course. Milan. Generally, um, centre midfield. Centre midfield. That's always a difficult one. Paul Scholes because he's got gin- Paul Scholes because he has ginger hair, and Claude <laughs> Macaulay. Claude Macaulay because the Macaulay role is named after Macaulay. Uh, two wingers. Let's say Arjen Robin because every time I watch the guy, I think how how can you not stop the cut inside? And then you watch it and you go, oh, I because the other guy literally can't slow down as fast as he speeds up. Mm-hmm. Arjen Robin's phenomenal. Um, let's put Thierry Henry as the left winger because he can just do what he wants anyway. And then Messi as a centre forward and Gabriel Batistuta. Oh, Gab- good choice. Yeah, I actually, I actually sat in the office trying to find videos of how to play as a target striker and sat with Batistuta on for about 45 minutes. Batistuta is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely amazing. amazing. So that's a pretty hell of a team. So um, let's get to this quiz. You ready to do this? I right, go for it. All right, so the first question. What, uh, well, we call them jerseys. You guys call them kits. So what kit number did Thierry Henry wear at Juventus? 21. Number six. Really? Yes. Well, it's threw me for a complete loop, and I did double-check it. It threw me for a complete loop. Number six. Crazy, right? Doesn't make I would sense. never have guessed that. No, me either. I would have guessed in the 20s, too. So, upon his arrival at Arsenal, how many games did it take him to score his first goal? I think it was 10 or 11. Oh, off by one. Nine. Yeah. In his ninth game, he scored. Uh, third question: How many total Premier League goals, just Premier League, did he score for Arsenal? Um, hundred and thirty-eight. Close, one seventy-five. Guy's a damn machine. Fourth, <laughs> yeah, fourth, he's just amazing. Fourth question: He's the all-time leader and for France in goal scored. 
Whom did he pass for that record? Oh. It's not just Fontaine. He was the top scorer in the World Cup. So who would it have been? All-time all goal leader in France. Who did he pass for that? We had, brought, we had talked about him earlier. Oh, yeah. It had to be Platini. Yes, Michel Platini. Yeah. Correct. And my last question, how many total trophies did he win at Arsenal? And I'll give you extra credit if you can break them down. Oh, Jesus. Right. I try to make these hard. Sorry. Um, eight. Oh, one off. Seven. He won seven. Now, can you break down which ones he won? So he would have had three Premier Leagues and three FA Cups and one Charity Shield, maybe, or one League Cup, or two FA... No, no, because Wenger's won it millions of times. Well, you have the FA Cups, right, that's three. How many Community yeah. Shields did he win? So there must have been one Community Shield or one League Cup. In fact, I don't think Arsenal have won the League Cup in years, so it must have been a Charity Shield. Three Leagues, three FA Cups, and one Charity Shield, which yes. doesn't count. Yeah. Yeah. Because so I thought, that's, yeah. So that's, I thought he would have won a League Cup, but now thinking about it, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's again for that team. But you brought up a great point of all, of all the uh, money that came into the Premier League at that time with Chelsea and Liverpool was very good at that time. And obviously, United's always United. So it, it is sort of shocking when you look at it and go, "Wow, that team only won that much." But I guess that's more than my team in that time. So I really can't say much. Um, all right, before we leave, do you have any plugs? I know you again. We talked about your podcast already, but tell people kind of who you are and what you do. Um, so I'm Stevie. And I am also a guy that coaches football in Canada. Um, I've written some books. I'm on TV show for three years called The Mind Game, which you can actually watch on Vimeo. If you go on vimeo.com forward slash Gravesy. And I own a consultancy which is developing um, like a tactical tutor e-learning course. Um, and I, my consultancy like helps clubs across the world. So we design like elite player development plans, uh, recreational player development plans, coach development plans, um, overall club infrastructure things to do with what your processes and procedures are going to be, what's your long-term development goals, how do you divide um, a curriculum, whether it's for one year or 12 years. So, for example, if you have U7s to U19s, how do you layer a curriculum like they would do in the school system from from year one to year 12? Um, how do you educate players and coaches within a specific game model? So how do you want to play? How do you want to analyse it? How do you want to look at it in terms of what training sessions do you need to design because training sessions come to the last part. So, yeah, I do quite a lot of stuff. Um, if people want to find out more, then they can obviously get in touch and I will try and direct them down the right path. Excellent. Well, for all you listeners, it's another Legends podcast. And for me and Stevie, have a great day. And uh, if anybody wants to get in touch and do anything, again, this is open to any sport, any player. This is not just Liverpool. That's why I want to do this so bad. Um, Stevie, I'd love to have you on again if you wanted to talk about anybody else. Yeah, so, just anybody, anybody who's a good player to watch. Excellent. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.